Life is an adventure, and now we're taking you along for the ride. We're the Blinks family, and you've probably seen our travels on Instagram or TikTok. After traveling to over 30 different countries with our three kids, we've learned a thing or two about how to see the world without losing our sanity. Welcome to Unpacked with the Blinks, a podcast where we'll unpack what you didn't see on social by sharing an in-depth look at what it's really like to travel as a family. From finances to flight hacking, sightseeing to sleep habits, and everything in between. We haven't been everywhere, but it's on our list. Hey, and welcome to Unpacked with the Blinks. This is part two of our in-depth episode of how we afford to travel so much with our kids. So let's get right into it. And then you kind of go into the next, which we talked about a little bit in the beginning of the podcast, which is the airport. You know, you've purchased your flights. Now you show up at the airport. So now what? So you want to share about our tips on how we save money at the airport? Yeah, I love this one. Um, so we're we're big travel credit card people. Uh, we have a collection of a dozen. <laughs> most, of- it, Which is weird to say, because I think people who don't travel hack the way we travel hack, when they hear yeah. how many credit cards we have open, yeah. they're like, I know me five years ago, I would have thought that's absolutely insane. You're nuts. I'm not accumulating that much debt, but... Yeah, but it, it's it's not even it's not about the debt. It's about like we talked about the hacking. It's about opening them at the right time. We always pay them off, pay the balances off, and then we're kind of always looking for the right card to stick with for long term. And then you're always looking for you know the best deals kind of coming up around the corner. Um, and you can't take advantage of all of them. There there are restrictions. You you don't qualify if you have a certain amount of cards or if you've you know, taking advantage of a bunch of opening offers. So you just, you, you know, there are, there are games to that, but uh, we'll get into that in another one. But reason I'm saying that is that we, we do a lot of reward travel and we use points to, to do our flights. And then also uh, most of the, the two best cards that we have right now also give you priority pass. Now you don't have to only have a priority pass through your credit card company, although it's a big value, you can buy into it. In fact, um, you know, they have Black Friday deals and they have specials like going what's on. Priority Pass. So Priority Pass is a membership for lounge access in most airports uh, across the U.S. and many airports abroad. And what it is, is it, it's a it's a like I said, a membership, almost like a gym membership. Uh, you know, when you travel with a gym membership, there are certain times gyms in those lounges as well. But it's the access to the lounges and, and many times some of the best lounges in in those airports where you can eat as a family, um, have cocktails as a family, sometimes well <laughs> have have cocktails as adults as adults in their mocktails family. mocktails mm-hmm. there are showers there are beds there are swimming pools at times there are swimming pools we've been to lounges with swimming pools we've been to lounges with spa services free spa services yep. so this is our favorite hack it really is because we went from spending anywhere from Fifty to a hundred dollars every single time we walked into an airport. Fifty dollars is at Starbucks. That's what I'm saying. A hundred dollars is at any restaurant, like quick service. Yeah, yeah. Chick Fil A is even probably closer to seventy five. Yeah, so we're spending a lot of money every single time because even if we fed our children before we left, they magically are are starving them, and we walk into the airport, and so we were spending that every time we travel. And like we said, we took over 20 trips last year. So when you kind of factor in the 20 trips there and then back, and then if there's layovers, 
that's a lot of airports that yeah. we've been through. So just having the accessibility to the lounges has saved us so much money. And aside from the free food and the free drinks and the free perks, there's something so nice about the entire experience. And I think because we travel so much, it has made the traveling itself, the minute we leave our home, that is when our trip starts. Mm -hmm. Because we get to that airport, we know we have that lounge, we show up, we're just, we're more relaxed because we know we have somewhere to sit. There's usually couches and quiet areas and, you know, communal areas where you could work. It's just your experience changes when it comes to traveling because we have access to these lounges. And I just, I just love it. I absolutely love having the access. And I think that is. So uh, it's a, it's a tip. It's a, it's a tip. tip on the budget side because right. it really does. I mean, for us wildly pays for itself, right? Um, whether you have the card or not, but the, on the other side, it, it's that, you know, experience, like you said, of travel and the ease of travel, because right. especially when you have, kids and younger kids having that opportunity to to look forward to uh, to get ready at the airport beforehand and when you're coming to you know to another airport in transit you know it's very important to kind of have that downtime because if you have we've had a 12-hour layover before we have yeah and you know the, you can't stay 12 hours in a lounge but when you can when you can break up four hours of it in kind of a little bit of luxury it, it makes a huge difference yeah, um, it really does. That that reminds me of another hack um, that I don't, I don't know we were even going to talk about today, but the the renting, the renting the hotel for the day, um, yeah, day use, day use. I don't know if how you how you say that. There might be some other um, some other as well, but you can you can actually not really by the hour, but by the half day, by the four hour, something like that. Yeah, you can get hotels on site at airports or even just off site, right. um, which come in handy. So if you are, if you're going to Europe, for instance, and you have um, a six, seven, eight hour flight looking forward to, but you're going to leave late in the night and you can only get to the airport, the connecting airport earlier that morning, you're going to have quite a bit of a layover. Yeah. So if you, you take your family to one of these hotels and you're only going to pay 70, 80, $90 for um for a hotel room you guys can take your shoes off you can put your bags over you can watch tv you can take a nap you can order food things like that yeah. that's a that's a really um We've a used really it valuable quite a hack. few times yeah yeah it's again if you're looking at flight deals and you're like okay well this flight is the cheapest but there's just really long layover don't let it discourage you because we have other options like this one company that you can utilize to make that travel day enjoyable because ultimately yes especially you know we have to remember when you're traveling with kids it's good to budget but you don't want to budget so much that you make yourself so incredibly miserable that you're not even going to enjoy traveling at yeah. all so you have to kind of factor both right like okay we're finding a really good deal but is this going to be miserable for us and for our children? Yeah. So just keep that in mind. But I, but I think a good a good ROI is a hundred dollars spent for a twelve hour layover, uh, which includes comfort. Get your kids some rest and some sleep. Rest, all mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So you know those those type of things go hand in hand, and really just making making the trips enjoyable. Yeah, and you know, I think everybody kind of has a different outlook on traveling and some people will think like okay i don't want to fly the budget airlines i don't want to fly economy i you know i would rather fly less right and just have maybe those one or two flights 
and those be, let's say, in business class or those on their like preferred airline that they're really loyal to. And that's okay too. Like we're not saying there's a right or wrong way to do this, but ultimately if you want to make the most out of the money that you budget towards travel, these are just the things that we utilize so that we can travel the most. And right now we are in the season of budget airlines. We're traveling a lot with budget airlines. We aren't really loyal to one particular airline. I would say probably if we looked, we travel one alliance more than the others, but we're looking for the deals. We're shopping the deals and whoever's coming in with the best deal, we're flying. Like we have, I guess we have certain rules. Like the true budget airlines, I've kind of put my foot down that I will not fly a flight that's longer than three hours on the real budget ones. Yeah. Um, because those can be pretty uncomfortable. But for the most part, we're shopping, we're flying with the best price. Yeah. And and just like the um, travel reward credit cards we talked about, you can also collect uh, loyalty loyalty points and things with with multiple airlines. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've seen recently with a certain airline that uh, you know changed a bit of their loyalty program. That it's never a forever kind of situation. So you know, kind of broadening your uh, portfolio, uh, even with with certain airlines, is is an okay thing. Um, because we do we we collect points and and airline miles with several. And if we're flying enough, uh, we can still we can still, you know, reap those, those benefits small. Well, yeah, I think, you know, the argument would then come that people who are loyal to one particular airline, they also would get perks from flying that airline, like upgrades to business class and such. Sure. But then my question would be kind of how much did you have to spend the offset of cost to be able to spend to earn that loyalty? Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, so it's like, that's yeah, different kind of, that comes back to the different type of travel and the different type of budget. Yeah, so, that's right. so at the beginning, when we talked about that budget, what's right for your family, if your family's budget allows for, for that, for yeah. business class every time and to have loyalty to one airline, do it. Because I think that there is a lot of benefit to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just not, it's just not the, the type of travel that we can afford and that right. we do. So that's it. So each of each their own on that one. Yeah. And so, I think something too is like, when you're considering a family, the size of your family, the mm-hmm. age of your kids, you know, if you're a couple that has a, one child that's under two, it would be easier than for you to then be loyal to one particular airline, even if the cost per flight might be a little bit more then you could look and break down kind of the analysis of your funds and say, hey, it actually in the long run would benefit me more to be loyal to one particular airline because of the perks that I would achieve from the loyalty program that they have. Um, but, you know, just from speaking from the experience of a bigger family, a family of five, you know, we found that the benefit actually lies in finding the best deals, even if we aren't loyal to one particular airline. We haven't been able to see the offset of benefits from spending more on any particular flights. So yeah. just something that we've noticed as we've been kind of planning and executing all of these trips in the last few years. So I think we've we've touched enough on on flights. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a big animal. And again, it's a big part of the of the travel expense. I hope, hope that helped a little bit. Yeah. And if you have questions, you can always send us a DM. Yeah. Um, if you want us to do a whole episode on flights, we would love to do that. And we could even go further into what it's like to travel with your kids, tips in regards to packing, you know, to prepare for the plane what you should look for in flights. Like there are certain things that we really look for. Like we love to fly morning flights. We find that morning flights just work better for us even. And you might think we're absolutely nuts for saying this, but even those like really early morning flights, like I would 100% pick 
a super early morning flight, like a 6 a.m. flight over a 6 p.m. flight. And there's just a lot of reasoning behind it. You know, one, I feel like statistically there's less delays when you're like the first flight out in the morning. The prices are always better for those early morning flights, the less desirable times, obviously, because, you know, if it's a 6 a.m. flight, you got to be there at 4 Mm -hmm. a.m. But also for me, the other thing I consider is that then we get to our destination earlier. And that's something else I really like. Okay, now I'm on a tangent. But just I thought it was because you, you you get two coffees. Because you get the coffee like when you're on your way and you wake up and you get a coffee yes. when you land. You know me too well. Or maybe more than two coffees. But maybe, the point is. But I will not drink airplane coffee, though. That's where I cross <laughs> the line. I will not drink airplane coffee. I never. I, I've been desperate to and I will not. Well, anyway, so <laughs> we went off on a tangent uh, there with the flights. There's just so much to talk about in regards to flights. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think there's going to be a flight episode in our future. That's cool. The other um, thing is transportation. Another another. uh card hack with uh at least the platinum amex platinum um you get uh uber uh, credits so you know we use uber like everybody else but we we kind of look and and choose right we we don't just pick an uber and go we look at at times we we make sure that we're away from airports sometimes when we make those uber um calls we shut it down turn it back on there's a couple of different hacks that you can get to, to doing that but anyway most of what we do is uh, public transportation. So that's really what we want to talk about is, is don't shy away from using public transportation when you um, head to your destination. Yeah, I think public transportation is something a lot of people pass on. And I think it's a huge disservice because one, you're going to save a ton of money and even bigger than the money element, the, the experience, the cultural experience you get from utilizing public transportation in cities where public transportation is readily available is just so much better. I feel that whenever I'm in a taxi or an Uber and I'm in the car, I miss so much versus being in a bus or being on public transport, any type of public transport. Well, a lot of times it's because it does take the the central path uh, yeah. through the city um, or through that destination. And you see things. It, and it's, yeah, and it's it's got... You know, there's there's a lot to be seen yeah. where, where the taxi's sort of taking you a roundabout way, right. sometimes the highway, things like that. So. And then also you're you're looking, oh, look at this stop. I wonder what's at this stop. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're on the subway. What's at this stop? You know, a lot of people are getting off here. This must be a really popular stop. Mm-hmm. So then it starts to like you start to think about it differently and you start to explore. And then back to what we were talking about before, you're living more like a local, which right. is giving you a true taste of what that place is about. So yeah, that's the, that's the best part about it, right? As you, you right away kind of get your finger on the pulse of, of the place you've entered because yeah. you see how everybody's dressed. You see how everybody's talking to one another. You see what people are eating. You're like, Ooh, I've now seen three bags from so-and-so cafe, probably someplace we want to stop. Exactly. You know, so you, you, I love that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get intimidated by public transport, but it is so much easier than you think. Like I know when we write our travel guides on our website, it's a one of the first things we talk about on the blog post is transportation because we want to make sure that you have the knowledge you need so that you can use public transportation when you visit these cities because we love using it and it's a lot easier. Yeah. Maybe that first time you're fumbling, trying to figure out how you pay for it because every city is a little different, but once you actually test it out and you get over that first hump, it is so much easier than you think it's going to be. So, yeah. And there's, and it's, then there's no one size fits all because you know, there are places in Europe that are extremely easy. Public transportation is by far the the way to travel. But then there's places like Costa Rica yeah. where 
Good luck. I mean, it, it's hard enough even finding a rental car, but there's not much public transportation. Yeah, so you got to look know? at the specific destination, specific I guess, destination instead of the on generalization what? on what um, works for that particular place. Because, yeah. like, also in, in Southeast Asia, you know, you have the tuk-tuks yeah. that you're riding around, which are, like, I guess a form of taxi, if you'd go as far as to call it a taxi. But you're you're still within the, like, core of the city. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's why I would kind of prefer that over... A traditional form of transportation, which would be renting a car, yeah, taking a taxi or an Uber but or something also, like that. You know, also a way to budget, right? We, back to the planning, the budgeting, executing. There are there are things, you know, if you do, if you are going to Europe, um, that you can purchase in advance: train tickets, passes, metro passes, things like that. So, you know, those are those are things that you can consider. Um, looking in the destination, looking at the uh, the best travel trains are great also in Europe and things like that. So keep those in mind as part of your uh, your budgeting tactics. Yep. So next, I would say the accommodations is probably the biggest part of your budget mm-hmm. that would eat up the most of your budget yeah. right after the flights. And there are a couple of things I think we do. I don't know if this is like the most unique thing in the world, but what we do and what we look at when we're factoring in this big expense and planning a trip. And I think the main thing, which is what we talked about, it's kind of the theme of this entire podcast episode, which is really trying to go to the less popular places um, and going off the beaten path a little bit. One, yes, like we said many times before, you're going to get a better experience culturally because you're not going to be in those like really high tourist areas. And then because of that, you're going to save on the price. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and that that goes with hotels too, yeah. right? I mean, as long as, uh, you know, speaking of transportation, as long as there still is viable transportation, and if you have your own vehicle, that's part of it too, within reason to get to um, some of the most popular spots, sometimes there's so much advantage to doing so in the cost savings and the accommodations. You know, we, we've stayed, we, even our last time in Paris, um, you know, we stayed in a really, really nice little, um, I guess, townhome, we'd call it something like that. And um, it was quite a bit, quite a bit less than, than some of the past times we've been. And it was, you know, an easy 10 minute commute into some of those places. And, yeah. and then we were able to kind of leave the crowd at the end of the day and go back to a little less crowded neighborhood to, to kind of, you know, explore and stuff like that. So there's benefits both both ways on that. Yeah. And I think, too, you have to look at that specific destination. I think another thing you have to look at is how much time you have in that destination, because if you were to tell me you're only going to be somewhere for two or three days, then I might say, hey, I think actually it would be better for you to allocate your funds to staying more in the city center just because of, you know, the amount of time that you have in that destination, um, the transportation cost, uh, how much time you're going to be spending in transportation. So all of these things you have to really factor, you know, do you want to stay in a hotel? Do you want to rent a house? Those are other things that you have to look at because that's could also impact your budget greatly. I know that that's something that we look at a lot when we're searching for accommodations is that specific destination, really the cost difference between the hotels and the house. And I don't think we can say like overall, always do the hotel route or always do the rental route no. because it really depends on your specific destination. What's going to be more advantageous to you because really a hotel comes with a lot of perks. You're going to get free breakfast. You're going to have great amenities. Generally, the location is a little bit better. You're more centrally located, right? In the city center. So those are things that you have to factor. For a house, if you're a family, you have more space, right? You have a kitchen, so you can save money by getting groceries and eating in, you know? So you're saving money both ways. So I think it'd be unfair for us to say, like, only rent an Airbnb, 
or only stay in a hotel. There are ultimately perks to doing both. You just have to look at your destination specifically. You need to look at how long you're going to be in that specific destination and kind of what your goal is for that destination. You know, do you think that you have time during that trip to come back and cook in the evenings? Is that something that you think that you're likely to do? Or are you going to be go, go, go all the time because you're only going to be in the destination for three days? So and really you're a foodie. So you want to test out all these cool restaurants. Is that really what you want to do? And I think that kind of goes back to the big picture in regards to budget and allocating your budget during your trip to things that are ultimately important to you. Are you a foodie? Then you're going to allocate your budget to your meals. Do you want to have this like Instagrammable hotel room with a view? Then you allocate your budget there. You have to really determine what is important to you. And then also realize that it's okay that you don't have every single thing, you know, the best location, eat at all the best restaurants, do every single excursion on every trip that you take. Yeah. And I think that's important. It is. And, you know, again, going back to the beginning of, you know, making that about your family and how your family travels. And sometimes you may not know if you're in a, if you're a young family and you're just stor- sort of starting out and you're, you're just getting your feet wet. Um, that those are some of the things you, you kind of got to uh, test out, right? Um, maybe not changing destinations so many times on a trip, maybe just uh, going one place and, and seeing what works the best for you. But that's for us as seasoned travelers. Those are the kind of things that we, the data points that we collect, you know, we always kind of know about how much trips cost. We also kind of know about how much we can allocate to, to eating out on a certain trip. And then we, we know how much we can do as far as accommodations, you know, so you, you have to kind of get to know your family and the style and all of that. But um, just, you know, those are things to consider as you as you collect, um, collect some research. For, and I think that's that. a great point to speak to. Like if you're a new you're a new family starting out and you you really need to test the waters a little bit. Like when our girls were smaller, we did stay in more Airbnbs and cook in the evenings because they were just so exhausted by the end of the day. And we just didn't want to have to deal with taking them to these fancy restaurants and, you know, them having a temper tantrum because they were just so tired that for us having a simple dinner, like eating out for lunch and having a simple dinner back of the place where they could decompress and have an early bedtime for a very active and exciting day the next day was just the best option for us. So I think that's a really great point. You want to kind of test the waters a little bit, see what works for your family. There's no right or wrong way. You know, maybe you are really early risers and you are just super active in the mornings and then evenings, like I said, you're cooking or maybe you want to have slow mornings and have your breakfast in your hotel. It's one of the things we look for when we stay in hotels, making sure we have free breakfast. It's such like a good perk because your family just woke up. You're in a new city. You don't know where you want to eat. And they're hungry. They're crabby. They don't want to walk 20 minutes to find a breakfast place. So it's just nice to have that free breakfast in your hotel so that you could get, even if you know you want to go to brunch later, that you at least have like a little bite of something. And it saves money. It's that it's that mentality of um, taking a few of the decision making things out of your day. Um, That's the last thing, whether you're on vacation or traveling, either one, you still want things to be as easy as possible. Right. You know, if you can take some decisions off your plate and one of those meals, that's sort of the same thing as the lounge, right? Not having to worry about when you get to the airport, running to find some food of some sort. Right. Um, same idea with the lounge as it is with like a hotel or even even 
you know, getting a place, whether it's Airbnb or something else, getting a place next to a cafe, whatever it is, just like I said, taking some of that decision-making time out of it so that you at least have one meal sort of planned per day, I think, I think is helpful. That's like, that's, I think a really important things for families, especially with young, young kids who are looking to travel more, try to have that at least one meal accounted for each day, whether that be the free hotel breakfast or that you're staying in an Airbnb and you're going to cook your dinners at home. I think that's going to take a lot off of your plate and it's going to overall help make your entire trip more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. And and I guess it's it's okay to add this is is asking for for discounts sometimes like yes. we I, I'm guilty. Yes. I think this is so overlooked and I'm I think guilty. we'd be doing a disservice of not saying this. Like sometimes you just ask Well, okay, let's preface this. I think it's important that before you go to your destination, you look up, you know, the kind of cultural, what's culturally appropriate for that destination, right? Because in some countries, it's actually super common to negotiate. They expect you to negotiate. It is like very common within their culture. But in some cultures, it might be deemed as rude to ask for a discount. So just before you go to your destination, just ask. But I would say overall, with our personal experience, we found that people are really open to just, you know, politely asking like, hey, are you offering any discounts? And it's a, a lot of times why we like to deal with hotels directly and book through hotels directly mm-hmm. and not really work through those third party sites because you have the ability to ask. Yeah. Say, are you, and you don't have to say, can I have a discount? You can say like, are you running any specials? And things that you might not even think of, like excursions. So if you are, you know, like we were in Thailand and we're at the beach, we want to rent a long tail boat to take us on a tour of the islands. There are 20 vendors all sitting next to each other. And so we were just asking, like, do you offer any discounts? You know, what if we only did a half day versus a full day? So just asking, like straight up asking and saying, hey, do you have anything? Restaurants. Sometimes you'll be walking down like the promenade of a certain city and they will like try to say, Hey, look at my menu. Hey, would you like to eat here? And sometimes you just say, Hey, do you have any dinner specials? That's right. Those little things do add up. Even, even all the way down to uh, airlines, there are still a couple of airlines that if you book in the airport, they will also offer you a discount. They will. Right. So um, don't, you know, just never, never be afraid to ask. And um, upgrades. You can ask for upgrades. Yep. For upgrades. When you're at the desk, you know, you never know. Someone didn't show up for the business class and they might have one seat. Yeah. Seat could go to whoever asked. That's right. Uh, Same thing with, if you're eating in the airport, if you, if you aren't using, um, you know, rewards or lounge or something like that, and you actually go ask, ask, ask the restaurant. If it's a sit down restaurant, most of the time. It, it, are there any um, any perks, any um, any loyalty, you know, things you may you may have a credit card that um, that works with that restaurant. You never so know. that's it. The point is, is just ask. Okay? Yeah. Ask for that discount. Yeah. OK, so I thought it'd be really helpful in this episode if we we're giving all these tips and we're like, OK, this is what you can do. But sometimes it's just helpful to look at the actual numbers. Mm-hmm. And I and I want us to be transparent about what we actually spend on one of our trips, because I think it'll be really helpful to give everyone listening kind of an insider look into what it takes. Like, okay, you told me I have to budget. You told me how to spend my money efficiently, but like, what are we talking about here? Without having to do any research, what do one of these trips look like? And obviously we can't go into every single thing we spend our money on. Otherwise we'd be here for a really long time, but I think it'll be helpful to kind of give 
couple of our trips here and talk about them and kind of where we allocated the funds, what we noticed in the trends in regards to what we spent our money on. Yeah. So I use, um, I use something called travel spend. So it's actually an app that uh, really helps track. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty meticulous about that. As soon as we leave a Starbucks, as soon as we leave uh, a restaurant, I just open it up, pop in um, the thing, scan the receipt or, or put the numbers in and stuff like that. So it's really easy for, for us to keep track of our, our budget and then look back on it just like we did here. So for, for Thailand, and we also have a, a blog post about this. So I break down Phuket, uh, the PP Islands, I think Chiang Mai, Bangkok, all separately. Uh, but for, for Thailand itself, this is for a family of five, our flights, now this is within Thailand. So our, this was our flights to those destinations I just named. Okay, so we in Thailand, we spent... We spent four weeks total, but we're not counting the last week because that last week was we used points because that was a whole visa fiasco. You got to go back and watch that on TikTok. But this is essentially our Thailand trip. We spent three weeks Mm -hmm. and we went to five different locations within that. I think that's important, too, because you'll notice that our transportation or our flight cost was higher um, because we had all of those internal flights and all the transportation within those five different regions. Yeah, we took three internal flights within Thailand, and those were a total of $1,070, okay? Transportation, which included taxis, tuk-tuks, ferry boats, were a total of $307. Accommodations, uh, full accommodations, so there was a a myriad of, I think, hotel in Bangkok. We had um, Airbnb in uh, Chiang Mai. Uh, We did a homestay in Chiang Mai and, and also in a little bit in Bangkok, Bangkok as well, excuse me. Um, that was a total of $1,735. We did um, our restaurant and cafes were just shy of $1,985. Um, and again, that was everything from tea, coffee, um, desserts, even little special treats, things like that. And then groceries, which we didn't do very much. Um, we ate out quite a bit on our um, on our trip in Thailand. So um, a few grocery trips for 137. Yeah. The food was so inexpensive. Like you're probably looking at that cost $985 for three weeks, a little over three weeks. And you're thinking, what? That can't be right. No, that is right. Yeah, the food definitely. is so incredibly cheap that for us, we couldn't justify going to the grocery store and because there just wasn't a cost savings there. So why not go and try all of this amazing Thai food? Um, because the the food was just so inexpensive and we bounced around a lot. So it just wasn't logistically the right time for us to stay settled and get groceries. Yeah, Most of the groceries just, was like 7-Eleven to get something for the day or like travel snacks and that kind of thing. Yeah. We did have a couple times at the Airbnb that we took a night off or whatever and we, we you know, cooked at home. Um, but again, very minimal. Yeah. Um, but that was a, the cost there. And then the sightseeing and activities, which was a, was a we did a lot. We well, did a lot. you know, we took some, we took some long tail boats. We took some excursions. Um, we had private tours. We yeah. got to spend a whole day with the elephants. That's right. We went to visit sites, you know, and the great thing is there were some excursions that did cost money, but we did a lot for free too. We visited temples. Yeah. Um, and so it just. Somewhere by donation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just shy of $500, 470, but, um, Again, with what we did in those um, in those three weeks, I feel pretty good about that um, about that number. Yeah. So the total total for three weeks, family of five, 
again, um, eating out majority of the time, um, internal flights and transportation all came to forty seven hundred and four dollars. Right. Pretty. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Now, I don't think this doesn't include our our flights into the country, but at least this gives you an idea because depending on where you're listening from and where you're coming from, that really could impact the cost. So it's just something to keep in mind that you can do this on a budget. Mm-hmm. You can take one of these bucket list trips. You know, I'm not saying that $4,700 isn't a lot of money. It definitely is. But you're also getting almost a month experience in a really beautiful country. And so I hope that kind of gives you an idea of what one of our travel budgets looks like. And if you were looking to do a trip like that, a similar trip like that, what it would potentially cost you. Certainly. And then uh, to compare in Greece, we were there for about the same amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. About three, uh, three weeks total. Our flights were minimal there as well because we traveled from Berlin, from your sister's place in Berlin to Athens. Yeah. And started our trip there. And we did a lot of our travel via ferry boat. We um, did. So we did a lot of ferry boat travel. Um, so our flights were a few hundred dollars compared to, uh, to the thousand because we were traveling within Europe, which is always very easy to do. Flying budget airlines, much, much lower there. Transportation cost was um, a little bit different um, because of the ferry boats. Yeah. So when we ended up taking ferries, um, which you're looking at, depending on the type of ferry that you're taking, if you're going with more of the budget ferry or they had the one that we went on, which I would call it was a pretty nice ferry. It was the mid range. Yeah. You're, you're spending on average, I would say about $40, you know? Yeah. So it's $200 really per trip. We took two, three big three. trips. Yeah. Um, you're looking at about $600 in regards to transportation mm-hmm. costs. All, we also rented a car on one of the islands. Um, we actually rented on two of the islands. We had car rentals. Um, and then when we were in Athens and the other island, we used public transportation. So we did save a lot of money there. But then we had rental fee costs. So I would say it would probably be another $300 that we yeah. had in rental and transportation costs when you're paying for your bus fare and your, um, you know, other public transportation. Yeah. I think it was just bus that we just used bus. when yeah, we were just there. Just bus. So. And, and um, you know, this is this is important to add. In some of those remote islands like um, uh, Naxos and, and Paros, the rental cars were actually a little a little higher than, yeah. than, than normal because there's not as many cars. There's not as many cars on the road. There's not as many, many cars on the island. So, um, you know, the, the rental costs are, are more like 100 to 150 a day, which is what we're accustomed to here in the U.S., but um, not near as what it um, as cheap as it is to rent a car or to find transportation in, let's say, Southeast Asia. Right. So, so we did have a little bit higher of transportation costs, but again, we bounced around versus staying in one specific location, like staying in one island for this particular trip. We were also there for three weeks, and we spent time. Um, it might have been a little more than three weeks, actually. Uh, we saw three different islands and then we were in Athens for a substantial amount of time. That's right. And our accommodation costs uh, were a bit higher too. They were pretty much double. So about $3,000 as opposed to the um, $1,700 yeah. um, in Southeast Asia because we were staying mostly in um, in resorts, let's call them hotels, resorts, smaller hotels. Yeah. I think also for this 
it's important to know that when we went to Greece, we were there in high season. Mm -hmm. That's right. So even though we were going to less popular islands, which did help us save, um, we were there in high season. So the selection was, you know, it was tough to find accommodations that would fit our family, our larger family at five. And so we just had a lot less to choose from. And when you have a lot less to choose from, unfortunately, you're paying sometimes a premium there. Yeah. And so because also we were bouncing around quite a bit, some of the islands were only staying two or three days. It was important to us to stay kind of in the center of the island. So all these things really impacted the price. But we wanted to show you kind of the difference between the two destinations, even though they were the similar amount of time, mm -hmm. because you can see what a drastic difference it is to travel in off-peak season versus traveling in peak season that's and right. how that really can impact your your budget. Yeah. Right? That's right. Yeah. And then the the restaurants and cafes was was also considerably higher. Average cost of a meal in US dollars uh, in Greece was probably about um, ten dollars, maybe yeah, per person for dinner. Like it was still less than what we pay here. Like mm -hmm. we were again, we were staying on less popular islands, um, but we were still in really touristy areas. Yeah. So we were paying more of those touristy prices for the meals. So if, yeah, fifty fifty sixty dollars a meal, and uh, you know they were great great meals. Oh, yeah, we're um, not complaining. Lots of seafood. <laughs> Um, involved, uh, we did still eat out quite a bit because yeah. we were, you know, we're staying shorter amounts, amounts of time. Um, we were getting those breakfasts, which is nice. Included. Yeah, we had the free breakfast, so that did help us. And then we had one meal a day that we kind of splurged. It was usually lunch. You know, we had these bucket list restaurants we wanted to visit. So we, for example, in Santorini, we went to Moody Bay. That was a little bit pricier. We had another um, meal right on the water in another island. We had in Athens, we had a meal with like the view of the Acropolis, you know, mm, so yeah. we did kind of splurge on these a couple of meals, like I would say probably four or five meals in the whole three week span. We splurged because we wanted these really special experiences. We didn't know if we'd ever be able to come back. Um, and so we did that. But other times it was a lot of quick service, like grabbing pizza or a gyro on the side of the mm -hmm. road and getting those like utilizing kind of convenience stores to get just quick bites to make it. One, easier for us because we were bouncing around a lot. And two, we were wanting to save money because we were yeah. splurging on those other ones. But the other difference um, in the sightseeing and activities, we didn't do much grocery, so I'm going to leave that one out. But sightseeing and activities um, was pretty minimal for us. Like we we did a lot of our own sightseeing. Yes. We did a lot of beach time, a lot of hiking, a lot of free snorkeling. We brought our own snorkels. Um, we brought our masks, snorkels, all that stuff. Um, we did a lot of, like free. I said, a lot yeah. of free sightsee with the exception of like i think an entrance fee in athens mm -hmm. um and one boat ride to a special beach we wanted to go to i don't think we spent anything no. on any excursions no so, so what do we say like twenty dollars thirty dollars maybe so, i'm not sure minimal. um but we didn't write anything down so that means that, that means we really did pretty spend low. a lot yeah. so that totaled us for about sixty nine hundred dollars for our greek travel cost um as you can see um a little bit more than um, than Thailand, uh, and there's quite a few reasons why. But uh, anyway, to hope hope that helped a little bit, kind of visualize and see um, what what a difference the places can make. Yeah, the destination, the time of year. Like I said, one was off season, one was peak season, and yeah, it was a pretty big difference in regards to budget, considering they were the same amount of time. And we hopped around frequently for both of those trips. Mm -hmm. So they were really similar in that way. Okay, so we set you up with making your plan. We talked about executing your budget and making the most out of your 
money, getting the most out of your money. And now it's how do you get the money in the first place, right? Like that's the big question. I feel like nobody talks about when they're talking about how to travel this much and how to budget to travel as much as how do you actually make the money? Because to be able to travel as much as we do, we really, when we started this journey, we really had to think about, okay, how can we continue to work and travel? Because to travel a third of the year, I think that's what I calculated. We traveled last year. You can't stop working for a third of the year. Well, maybe you can, and that's great for you, but we could not stop working for a third of the year. So we really had to be creative with how we were going to make money. So a little background on how we got started, because we get this question a lot. How do we make money? What do we do for work? What's Scott's job? What's my job? And so we are actually full-time content creators, both of us. That was something that happened for us in June of last year, we feel really, really lucky um, that Scott was able to leave his full-time job and come and work with us on to make this our full-time business. So this is what we do. And just to give you a little background of how it all started, I started sharing kind of my motherhood journey uh, about seven years ago, started my blog, started writing about what it was really like to be a mom. It was lonely at the time and it was confusing. And so I just kind of poured my heart out there. And that's how this channel grew. In 2019, we were kind of hosted on our first trip. And we were like, wow, this is this is it. We want to be travel creators. We love it so much. And then we shared our journey in 2021, how we backpacked Europe for those five weeks. And the rest is history. So this is our full-time job. We are full-time content creators. We pinch ourselves every day because we absolutely love what we do. You know, I, I don't want to say it's not stressful. I think every job comes with its own version of stress, but it is, it is our dream. We will take the stress because there's so many good things that come with it. And if it's something that you are interested in doing, it is completely feasible for you to do because the industry is really booming right now. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, there are a lot of people getting into it, which, you know, we, we applaud where we hope everybody can make what they can of it. Diane has been doing this for uh, quite some time. So she's a little bit of an OG as it comes to, to blogging and content creation. Um, but it, but it changes every day, right? Um, you know, there's so many new and, and cool ways to, to share how your, your blogging or your content is being created and, um, you know, all the videos and um, different platforms and stuff like that. So it's really fun. It's a fun time to be in the industry. It really and, um, is. Yeah. And a fun time to be traveling with the family as well. It really is. And, you know, if it's something that you're interested in doing, I would say just start. Like, don't wait for things to be perfect. We have to remind ourselves of this sometimes as we're starting new projects, as we started this project. Sometimes you just have to start and just start creating content that you have. Like, maybe you're not taking 20 trips a year, but maybe you did just take a road trip with your kids last year and you have some videos from that start sharing what you learned. I think there's room and space for everyone because everyone's voice is unique and everyone has something special to share. So if you are interested in being a creator, there is definitely room for you. Um, we offer different mentoring services as well for people who are looking to start off. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can send us a DM. We want to encourage and help anyone who wants to get into this industry because we find it is such a blessing that we are here in this position and able to do this as our full-time job. So next, let's just say you want to do this, okay? 
but you don't want, you don't want to be a creator. You don't want to put your life out there on the internet. There's other options for you, right? Like you don't have to just be a TikToker, a YouTuber, an Instagrammer, a podcaster. If that's not for you, that doesn't mean that you can't travel more, travel full time, work remotely. There's like so many different options for you. Um, one of those, you know, would be creating a side hustle. So really looking at what you're good at. So maybe you're really good at design work and you create like beautiful printables. You know, maybe you're really organized and you could create like a digital spreadsheet for someone to help them budget. You know, that could be something really valuable that you could offer people. There are so many different things that you maybe could you're use. good at planning. Maybe you're good at planning and budgeting like myself and uh, you can create a travel itinerary. Uh, right. Yeah. Down to the down to the penny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So really think about your skill set and think about, OK, how could I utilize this skill set and help and make this make money for us? Some other things that you could think about were maybe finding remote work. I know there's a lot out there for companies now. They're definitely hiring a lot more remote workers. So something you just have to consider when you are looking for a remote job is just time zones, depending on where you want to travel. And your working hours, making sure that those coincide. It's kind of why we always lean towards this idea of starting your own thing, because you're a lot more flexible in regards to your work hours when you're traveling overseas. But if you're looking for remote work, there's plenty out there for you. We'll try to create a resource for you that we can share on the blog to help make it easier for finding remote work. So if that's something that you're interested in doing, you could do that as well. And finding co-working spaces where you have access to internet is super easy. Some other ideas would be to teach English in the destinations that you're visiting. I know a lot of people start off traveling by doing that. Being an English teacher, you can do that online through programs like OutSchool, or you can do them on location. Also being a virtual assistant is something that you could do that could be really helpful. Again, think about what you're good at. Think about ways you can help other people doesn't mean that you have to be putting your face all over social media. There's so many other ways that you could be making money to be able to support this lifestyle of traveling, yeah. traveling more. Another creative way um, we talked about in our last episode is, uh, is, is renting out your home. I know that took us a, a long time, a uh, long time traveling before we really considered it. Um, we had already taken some pretty long trips before we thought, hey, this might be something for us. But this last trip uh, to Southeast Asia we said, you know what? We're gonna bite the bullet. We're gonna um, prepare our home. We're gonna make us this thing ready, and we're gonna we're gonna earn some money back while we're um, while we're traveling. So um, that's a that's a really great way that you can bring in some added income or even just offset uh, your expenses while you're traveling longer time. Yeah, you know, you hear of these stories of these um, people on social media who sold everything that they own to be able to afford to travel this way. You know, they sold their house, they sold their cars, they sold all their possessions. And not everybody wants to do that. Like we didn't want to do that. You know, we wanted to have a home base. We wanted to keep our home. We love our home. We love our town that we live in. So we wanted to hold on to that. And so this is a great way to kind of offset some of those expenses. Like you said, I wouldn't call this like this huge money making. No, but, but again, <laughs> idea. we just talked about bud two budgets though, that were near $5,000 and, and majority of people, if they can, if they travel for two or three months could, could easily offset that with uh with renting their home they could you know so, so it's just that's real something money. to consider it's not going to be like everyone on on social media make it seem like you're going to make all of this money airbnb being we didn't have that experience okay so 
So we just want to be transparent with you. That wasn't our experience, but it did help offset a lot of the costs that we had here and even maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So we did it. We did it. There's just so much to share. And we wanted to make sure that this was a valuable episode for you that had a ton of resources that you could take away and feel like you could start implementing today to start to create this life that you want, which is ultimately to travel more with your kids. Well, I hope that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. If you're listening, that's probably what you want. So key takeaways. Um, we talked about uh, budgeting, budgeting tips and planning as much as you can. There's a lot of resources out, out there right now, you know, as far as bloggers go, as far as uh, video content, just, just get into it. Um, we're available again, um, as we said before, and we, we love to help with that. We've got some great itineraries on our blog. Um, we've also got uh, some other resources for, for destinations, how to find it, you know, where to go for flight, flight hacks and, and all of those things. So plan ahead as much as you can and uh, try to try to travel off peak. Uh, we talked about that. Talked about utilizing. Travel like a local. I think like that's another big one takeaway from the episode. And I don't know, just I guess. There's, I wouldn't say there's like one big thing because again, like we talked about a lot of things dependent on your specific location, but just doing your research and being open-minded and kind of looking at the big picture and ultimately testing out the waters and seeing what kind of works for your family, right? We hope that the resources that we provide on our blog, including those travel guides and some of the break the cost breakdowns are helpful for you too, to show some transparency in regards to what we're doing. And yeah, we hope to create even more episodes filled with a lot of useful information to make traveling with you and your family even easier. I know in a future episode, we have travel hacking. We are going to be breaking down some of our best packing tips, as well as so many more things in future episodes. And we cannot wait to share all of those with you. Thank you so much for unpacking this entire episode about finances. And we can't wait to talk more with you soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Unpacked with the Blinks. We hope it inspired you to step out of your comfort zone and finally book that bucket list trip. If you liked what you heard, please hit that subscribe button to get notified when a new episode hits the tarmac. And be sure to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a suggestion of something you'd love to hear on a future episode, please send us a DM on Instagram at with the Blinks or Mrs. Blinks. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, magical memories are within your grasp. See you next time.